0: As we begin this evening a study of the book of Genesis, this is not only the first book in the Bible, of course, but a lot of times it's the first book that people read. In fact, when I trusted Christ, as you know, I was 19 years old. I think i had been to church two to three times in my whole life. i would never had a Bible. And, of course, somebody gave me a Bible, and the first thing I opened up to was Genesis, because that's what you do with a book. You start at the beginning, and that's what I thought. The word word Genesis, or the book Genesis, is the beginnings. God makes known how everything came about. We see God as the Creator. He speaks, and there's the world and the people. We see some famous events, and we look at this book. We're going to see the fall of man and the flood, and we see God choosing a people for himself, the descendants of Abraham. We call them the Jews. Not only are there some famous events in this book, but there are famous people. Now think about it. There's Adam and Eve, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. That's just to name a few. The book historically covers a long period of time, Stretching from the creation of man all the way to the death of Joseph in Egypt. John Davies, he entitles his commentary on the book of Genesis. He calls it, From Paradise to Prison. From the Garden of Eden to the prison in Egypt. My prayer is that as we go through this book, and and it's, it's it's long. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of great things in it. As we go through it, first of all, we want to see God as the creator and the redeemer. He is the sovereign, almighty one who loves God. He loves man provides for man and deals with man we'll see that as we go through and then we're going to see man as the creature who is really the crown of all creation when you think about it out of everything that god created man is the thing but we see the fall and we see how man deals and how god deals with man and then finally the third thing as we go through is god's redemption plan that's the story of the bible it starts right in genesis we see how the perfect god brings sinful man back to himself through his provision we call him the son the messiah jesus christ in the book of Genesis, the seed of woman, the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac, the seed of Jacob, the seed of Judah. We see that as we go through. As we look at this book and we see the lives and the events, as we go through it, and it will take us a while. There are some parts we'll go in a lot more detail, some parts we'll go in less detail. As we see the lives and events from this, we, my prayer is that we will understand them and then we'll make application in our lives so that we can be conformed to the image of our savior jesus christ let's begin with prayer let's pray any father thank you for tonight thank you for each one who has come what a great time lord thank you for the the songs great songs lord as we sing praises to our savior thank you for the food and and all the people who spent the time putting it together and then giving it out and just a great time that we could eat and fellowship lord i just thank you for each one who has taken the time out of busy lives to be able to come together on a Wednesday night to worship our Savior, to sing praises to His name, and to study the Word of God. Lord, we ask you that as we look at the book of Genesis, that the things that are there, the truths, the principles, the the people, the events, that it would come alive to us, that we would see the things that are there and we'd make application in our lives. Lord, we want Your Word to change us. We know that all of the Word, all of Your Word is profitable. It is given for our instruction. Help us, Lord, as we go through this book to learn from it. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. What uh, comes to your mind when you hear the word God? I mean, who is God? I mean, what does the name mean to you? What does that title mean to you? What if somebody says God? A lady by the name of Deidre Sullivan wrote a book entitled, What Do We Mean When We Say God? She personally interviewed over 700 people, plus she obtained responses from over 5,000 people with questionnaires, basically, with this major question, Who is God and what does God mean to you? survey included just regular people across the United States and then even some famous people. Let me give you just some of the responses, because what do you think of when you think of God? Joanne Stevenson, sales lady, says, Well, God is a kind word. He's a helping hand. Ellie Shepherdson, who's an attorney, she said this, When I meditate... God comes up as my grandmother with a frying pan in her hand. And William's telephone operator said, God is truth. And he created all things. The Reverend Daniel Martin says, The word God comes to us from the Anglo-Saxon word for one who is greeted. So God is the mystery of life we greet. That sounds about like a reverend, doesn't it? Isaac Asimov says, it seems to me that God is a convenient invention of the human mind. Ready for this next one? Gabriel Green, president of the amalgamated flying saucer clubs of America, (laughs) says God is the electromagnetic electromagnetic field surrounding the earth of which everything is composed. Colleen Ping, a mother, says, God is a part of us that cares for a child that is starving in another country. The writer, Deidre Sullivan, summed it up by saying, When Moses asked God who he was, God said, I am who I am. How would you answer? Who is God? Is he a feeling? Is he a force? Is he a kind deed? Or is he the all powerful creator? of the universe dealing with man in grace, mercy and justice. This evening as we start the book of Genesis we're not going to get a definition of God but we will see His power and His majesty because it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. To study the book of uh, Genesis is indeed monumental. It is. It's It's a long book. It's powerful. The events and the truths that are there are just incredible. Many believe it to be the most important book in the Bible because it's the foundation of all the rest of God's revelation. And this book is the beginning and the understanding of creation, mankind, sin and the fall, the flood, salvation, languages, the covenants, so many things. As we look at this book, what we're going to try to do in these weeks to come, in these months to come, we're going to look at the book, we're going to try to do several things. Number one, we're going to get the big picture. We're going to see how this revelation from God fits together. We're going to get a big outline tonight. We're going to look at the big major events. In fact, very simply, the book is very simple to put together. And I'll just show you that tonight. The second thing we'll do is we'll get details. We're going to go through this thing verse by verse, passage by passage, as we always do. But some things we will actually slow down even more. We'll dig it and we'll go through it. So we'll understand not only what happened, but how it can affect us and how it relates to us. And then the third thing we'll do is we go through chapter by chapter. Some areas we will go go faster through, some more complex, but we always want to see the context and what God is trying to do or what God is trying to give to us. Our goal, I think, is a a number of different things, but one is we want to see God. We want to see his character and his actions. When you look at the book of Genesis, if if you don't see the majesty of our God, we miss him. I mean, this is it. And so we want to see him as the Creator and the Redeemer, the Sovereign One who shows the grace and the mercy and the justice in his dealing with human beings. Derek Kidner, in his commentary, in in, uh, Tyndale commentary on the book of Genesis, he says, Genesis confronts us with the living God. He is the Creator. He is the Savior. He is the perfect God who makes himself known. So one of the things we want to do as we study the book is we want to know God. Second thing is we want to see ourselves. We want to see man. We want to see the creation. And by the way, when you look in the book of Genesis, man is the crown of all creation. I mean, he is the thing. He is not the end of some evolutionary process that we just happen to be there now. You'll see that as we go through it. We see the fall in God's plan of redemption for mankind. And we're going to see that the results of the fall and how God uses people throughout history to carry out his plan. So there's some great things there. So we want to know what man is like. The third thing is we want to understand the events and the truths from the book. Because there's so much there. There's so many famous things in the book of Genesis. Just like on Sunday morning we're studying the Gospel of John, there's so many famous events in the Gospel of John dealing with the life of Christ. When you look at the book of Genesis and you start reading through it, these 50 chapters, there's so many famous events and things that you've read from Genesis or heard about. We want to know the book historically. We also want to see it theologically. What can we learn? How can we become more and more like Jesus Christ through reading and studying this book? We know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is profitable. It helps us mature. It helps us to serve. So we want to know what's in this book for us. It helps us know God. It helps us know ourselves. And we can apply the truths. This evening readers can start with the background. We might, we're actually going to get to verse 1. We want to get a little background about the book and uh, talk about it. Who wrote the book? <clears throat> First of all, Who wrote it? When? Why? How does the book put together? And we'll see that. Well, let's begin. The book, if your Bible is like mine, is called Genesis, and that's really a Greek title. The word Genesis means beginnings, and that's what the book is about. It's about beginnings. If you had a Hebrew Bible, the name of the book would not be Genesis. It would literally be, in ink, we would translate it, in the beginning. That's the title. In fact, many of the Hebrew books, the title of the book is the first two to three words of the book so this book starts off in hebrew in the beginning and so that's the title of the book in hebrew in the beginning the word genesis is latin and it has an idea of beginning genesis is the book of beginnings it's called the foundational book of the bible it describes as some have said the ground floor of all the rest of the revelation of god given to us There's the creation of the world, the heavens, the earth, the plants, the animals, the languages, the sin, the fall, the covenants, the nations, all begin in this book. Well, let's think about it. In our Bibles, you know, we talked about this before, the Old Testament is divided in our Bibles in four different parts. There's the first five books, which we call the Law, and then the History, and then the Writings, and then the Prophets. The Hebrew Bible is not divided that way. It's divided into three parts. It's called Law, Prophets, and Writings, the the Torah, the Neb'im, and the Ketubim. The Torah is the first five books, and Genesis, of course, is the first of the first five books, and it's very powerful. The author, of course, and, and we take this as according to what Jesus said, uh, is, is Moses. Moses is called the lawgiver. He wrote the first five books of the Bible. We know Moses is the man who led the nation of Israel out of Egypt. We'll talk more about him in just a second. But want you to think about these first five books? They fit together. Genesis is the beginning, and in Genesis is the fall, and Exodus is the redemption, and Leviticus is the communion, and Numbers is the guidance, and Deuteronomy is the instruction. All those books fit together. And so when you look at your those first five books, they're not just like a book, and another book, and another book. God has a plan. We see Moses as the lawgiver. Now, we don't see him in Genesis, because he comes later, but he is the one who wrote this. Moses was a special man set apart by God. We know that just an incredible thing that he grew up in Egypt, and at age 40, he had been up to that point in time, he'd been trained in all of the wisdom of the Egyptians. And at age 40, he went out, basically decided to live with his own nationality, the Jewish people who were slaves. And he killed a man and had to leave. And at age 80, God brought him back to deliver the people of Israel. We know that probably the book of Genesis, in fact, these first five books, probably were written close to the same time, near the end of Moses' life, around 1440 BC. The Exodus, they believe, happened around 14, around that time, and and we think he wrote it around that time as well. How do we know Moses wrote it? Because when you read, and let me tell you that there are scholars who doubt all of the scripture, and so when you read certain people, and especially if they tell you they're a scholar, be very leery of them, because the guy that tells you there's a scholar is also going to tell you that Moses didn't write this and there were two Isaiahs and Jesus didn't really say this and the book of Revelation was just a this and this. That's those people because they re- they reject the Revelation. They think they're here on this world to judge the Scripture rather than them the Scripture, judge them. Moses wrote it. First of all, the Torah itself speaks of Moses being the author. In the first five books, Moses says that he wrote certain things. Different books in the Old Testament and New Testament call Moses as the author. And Jesus himself talked about Moses and quoted Moses and parts from Genesis. How did Moses put all this together? Have you ever thought about it? Because um, Moses wasn't there at the creation. Moses wasn't there at the flood. Moses wasn't there at Abraham. Well, how could he do that? Well, the Bible tells us that God is the one who gives revelation. Second Peter chapter 1, it says, Holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit as God spoke through them and gave revelation. And so anytime a person gives the direct revelation from God, whether it is Moses or Peter or Paul or James or John, it is God's direct revelation through them giving that revelation. Second Timothy chapter 3 says, all, give, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is God's revelation in written form. Probably at Moses' time that uh, you could ask and talk and people knew all of the stories from the past. There was the old traditions that had been passed down and maybe even at Moses' time there were some things that had been written. I wanted to show you this because I want to clear something up. I gave you this handout as uh, a person made this up for me a long time ago, and it just shows basically how long people lived and how they tied together. And uh, the timeline there is the person wrote this and said this is approximately 4,000, this is 2,000. I I don't think you can go by that. What I was trying to show in this little chart is just to show you that by the time of Noah, that Noah knew people who knew Adam. I mean, I just wanted you to see the length of the time that people lived. Uh, When you read the book of Genesis, and we'll talk about it when we get over in chapters 4 and 5, when they begin to list a lot of names, and it says this person begot this person, that doesn't always mean that this person was the father of this person. It usually has the idea that there's a descendancy there. So we don't know how many gaps or how many years, and we'll talk about it next week, and we'll talk about it when we get to chapter 27, and we talk about the creation of man, And we talk about the gap theory and gap things next week and things like that. We'll talk about all this creation and evolution and all of the time periods. We'll get into that when we get a little bit further into this study. When we look at this book and we see God using, in a sense, Moses to write down this revelation so that we would know the beginning. The the age old question is people are always saying I wonder what happened and how did everything start and how did this how did our solar system how did our universe how did our world begin well the truth is God has given to us His revelation now people who reject it and I know that there are a lot of people who are really smart who reject God's word but we have in chapters one and two especially the the creation story and we'll talk more about that how is the book divided let me just give you this and I'll we'll just hit on it real quickly I've given you an outline. The book of Genesis is very simple. Chapters 1 through 11, the early history of the human race. Chapters 12 through 50, the early history of the Jewish race. That's it. That's how the book divides two big sections. Let me show you something else. I've given you this as a map. This is not, the overhead is not very good. But there's some places where some great events happened. Here's Egypt, where Joseph rose to power. Here's where Sarah was buried. Here's the Promised Land. Here's where Abraham's father, Terah, died. Here's where the Ark landed. Here's where Abraham originally lived, Ur of the Chaldees, came up and crossed the Tigris-Euphrates River. That, By the way, just just so you can understand, listen, he lived in the Ur of the Chaldees, went up this way, crossed over Tigris-Euphrates River, and came into the Promised Land. When he crossed over, he became known as a Hebrew, which literally means one who crosses over. That's why the early descendants, Abraham and his descendants, were called Hebrews because they crossed over the Tigris-Euphrates River. They came from what is modern day Iran, Iraq, Persian Gulf, all of that over there and they came to the Promised Land. Later they became known as Israelites because they were descendants of Jacob whose Jacob's other name was Israel. And then later after that they became known as Jews because they were the descendants of the southern kingdom called Judah and they became known as the Jews. So that's how they got those kind of names. And so when you look in the book of Genesis, there's, there's all these famous things. Noah's Ark and this and, and the, the pro- approximate Garden of Eden. Nobody knows, but you know, Tigris, Euphrates River are mentioned in there. And We'll see that as we go through it. So there are a lot of things that we're going to see as we go through the book. You divide the book in two big parts. Chapters 1 through 11, creation, fall, flood, all of those kind of things. Chapters 12 through 50, the choosing of Abram whose name gets changed to Abraham and his son Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Sarah and all of these things. Chapters 1 through 11 cover a long time period. There's no way to really know. There are people who say it was billions of years. There are people who say that it, in fact, there are some who would say it could have been a very short time period. Uh, Conservative uh, creationists today hold that uh, that the creation could have been as short as six to ten to 15,000 years. Now that's different than the millions of years that the guys on the TV say, and maybe some in your classroom. Chapters 1 through 11 do cover a long period of time from the creation to Abraham, basically. Beginning in chapter 12 through chapter 50, it covers about a 300-year time period. And that's the life of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and we'll see more of that as we go through it. What are some views? When we think about the book of Genesis, there are really two ways you can look at the book. Some call it a myth. They say, well, look, it's a great little story. Whoever wrote it, whether it was some man named Moses or somebody else, that he wrote, they wrote this book and many of the events and many of the stories are just made up, but they're myths to teach a lesson. Stories to communicate information that God said that there was an Adam and an Eve. Now, there really wasn't an Adam and Eve, but they were symbolic to show how, you know, how this is like the start of everything, and, and just to teach theological truths. That's what some people say. Others hold to it historically, which is the way I do, that it is truth recorded, actual events, actual people, truth shown not only what actually happened, but also to teach theological truths. Alan Ross, who was my Hebrew professor at Dallas Seminary, He wrote a uh, creation, I forgot the name of the book, Creation and Blessing, I think is his Genesis book. I think it's the best book, uh, best commentary ever written on the book of Genesis. Uh, It's a monumental work. He says this, the narratives were selected to teach theological truths from real life events. Now, he's saying these are people that actually lived, but God gives us revelation to teach truth as well. I mean, not every event that ever happened to Abraham is in there. Or Isaac, or Jacob, or Joseph, or Noah, or Adam, or... He, they're not all in there. Certain things are there. When we look at the teachings of Jesus Christ, he considered the information in Genesis to be historical and accurate. Jesus taught that Adam and Eve were real people. If you read, his, read through the book, the, 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 the Gospels. Jesus said that it was, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they're all mentioned. As we go through the book, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight four big things. One, we're going to look at God's character all the way through the book. Number two, we're going to see man and the creation and the fall and his relationship with God all the way through the book. Third, we're going to see God's redemption plan. It starts in chapter 3, verse 15, and it goes all the way through the whole book of the Bible, not just the book of Genesis. And then we're going to see man's responsibility. Now, let's think about those four things. First of all, we're going to see... The character of God. Now, don't write any of this down. Just listen to this. In chapters 1 and 2, we see the power of God as he creates. In chapters 3, 4, and 5, we see the love and the mercy of God as there's the fall and God has a plan of redemption for man. In chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9, we see the judgment, the justice, the mercy, and the grace of God as he brings the flood upon the earth and and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In chapters 10 and 11, we see... The sovereignty of God as he takes gets people and begins to move them all over the face of the earth. And then in chapters 12 through 15, we see the election of God as he takes one man out of all of the earth, a man by the name of Abram, who was a moon worshiper in the Ur of Chaldees, and brings him to the promised land. And from that point, we have that nation of Israel. We see a God who is a powerful God, a creator God, a majestic God. So we're going to see him. Then we're going to see man all the way through the book. Man's not the end of some evolutionary chain, but the crowning aspect of God's creation, created in the image of God to have a personal relationship with God. Genesis 1.27 says that let us make man in our image. We'll talk about the "our" there. Who is the "our"? It has been said that man was created by God, bearing His image in a unique relationship with the living God. It's incredible. We see the fall. We see that we all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We see by one man, the entire human race was plunged into sin. Romans 5 told us, by one man, Adam sinned into the world and death by sin. Death passed upon all because all sinned. And some people say, "Well, if Adam hadn't done that, we'd be in this shape. Let me tell you, if you were there, you would do it. That's us. Man is made in the image of God. and He still bears the image, but it is a cracked image. And it's true. Because that we see what our God is like and what man is like, it takes us to the third aspect, and that is God's plan of redemption and salvation. God the Creator is also the Redeemer. And that's an incredible truth, that He created us, He made us, but He buys us. He redeems us. Fallen man is brought back into relationship with God, and it's through His grace and mercy, through the promised Redeemer, Max Lucado says this, he says, we're guilty, but Jesus is innocent. We're wrong and he's right. He's not on the cross for his sins, but for our sins. Through the seed of woman comes the one who will crush the head of Satan. God has a plan of redemption. Wow. Jonathan Edwards says, the redeemed are dependent on God for everything. In this book we see that plan it starts back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 and sometimes if you're not careful you'll read it so fast you miss it but it is there and we see it unfolding all the way through the rest of the book and then all the way through the rest of the Bible. Great truth. There's one, the other thing we'll look at as we go through is man's responsibility to make known the plan. Man is responsible to tell others of God's plan of redemption. We see it from Adam, to Noah, to Enoch, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph. We see it individually in those people. We see it nationally and corporately as the nation of Israel and the descendants of Abraham. So, in summary, as we look at the book, we're going to see the creation, the fall, the redemption, God's character, man's fall, and God's plan to reconcile man to himself. Now, let me give you the outline again, but a little bit slower and a little bit more detailed. If you've ever wondered about this book, because it's 50 chapters, and you think, boy, it's big, how am I going to remember it? It's very simple. There's four parts to the first, four parts to the second. In the first 11 chapters, part one, there's creation, fall, flood, and division. That's it. The creation of man, the fall of man, the flood, and the division of the nations. That's the first 11 chapters. That's it. If you can remember those four things, you got it. Creation, fall, flood, division of nations. In the second part, Beginning in chapter 12 through chapter 50, there are four things there. There are four people. These are four events, four people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. If you can just remember Abraham's family, you got it. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. That's the book. We're going to cover the creation, the fall, The flood and Noah and the ark and the division of the nations and dividing everything up and the choosing of a man and a covenant and his testing and the birth of his son and his son's family and failure and then Jacob who is the deceiver. And we're going to see Jacob and Esau. We're going to see the fussing, the problems. We're going to see his life in Canaan. And then we see one of the great men in the whole Old Testament. His name's Joseph. His slavery, the dreams... His family joins him, and it ends death and prison. From paradise to prison, the book of Genesis is powerful. So there's going to be a lot of great things we'll see there. I want you to think about it. Uh, we'll see Abraham, the man of faith. Abraham believed God, and it was what? Counted to him for righteousness. Where is that? Genesis 15:6. In Genesis chapter 12, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to leave where you are and I want you to go to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you and in you all the nations of the world will be blessed. So Abraham leaves and he goes there. And in Genesis chapter 15, after defeating the enemy and being so afraid that the enemy's going to come back and kill him, God says, go out and look around. See all those stars? If you can count them all, that's how many kids you going to have. Yeah, wow. And Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him for righteousness. And so we're going to see this man named Abram who becomes Abraham, the man of faith. And we'll meet his son Isaac who's called what? What's his name mean? Laughter. Because Abraham and Sarah laughed when God said you'll have a son because Abraham was how old? 99. And God, he went, no way. God said, oh yeah. Sarah behind the tent went, huh? no way. And God says, why did you laugh? She went, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. You well, well, I didn't mean to laugh. Well, when he comes, call him laughter. That's Isaac, the quiet man, the miracle child, the miracle man, the miracle child born to a man 100 years old. And then we meet Jacob, the scoundrel. How could a great guy like Isaac have a son like Jacob? It's because whenever you treat your children differently, whenever you frustrate them, whenever you show favoritism, you have a Jacob and an Esau and then we meet Joseph the picture of Christ, do you realize that Joseph is a picture of Christ rejected by his brothers saves his people great stuff we'll see it as we go through it let's start, we'll get one verse in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, by the way do you notice Do you realize this, that if you look throughout the whole Bible, every time you see heavens, it's plural, heavens, the heavens and the earth, in the beginning. You know, there are three beginnings in the Bible, you ever thought about that? We've seen one in Sunday morning, John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the eternal beginning, because God has no beginning. Then there's the beginning of creation, which is Genesis 1 verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, that's creation. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, that which we have held with our hands. He's talking about Jesus and talking about His incarnation. So there's the eternal beginning, John 1, 1, the cre- beginning of creation, Genesis 1, 1, and the incarnation of Jesus Christ, 1 John 1, 1. If you can get 1, 1, you're pretty much going to get it somewhere in there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice... There is no explanation for God, where he came from, what he did. Now, I can remember thinking, even as a youngster, where did, where did God come from? And I mean, where did he start from? I mean, how, you know, has he just always been there? And what has he been doing all of this time? I and mean, what did he do before he decided to create everything? Now, I want you to understand that I never went to church. And I can remember being in the seventh grade... I had to do a science fair thing, and I didn't want to do a science fair thing. So I did the easiest, simplest thing I could ever think of. And so that was this evolutionary thing from, uh, it was a drawing really of, you know, some amoeba thing coming up here, going all the way up to the monkey and then on to the man. But even when I did that, I didn't get a very good grade, but even when I did that, I can remember as a seventh grader, never have gone to church but one other time in my life, saying to myself, Mm -hmm. If there's this monkey thing here, and then it becomes a person, where did this Adam and Eve thing fit in? Because I'd heard of Adam and Eve. And I couldn't figure out. And I thought to myself, were Adam and Eve like cave people? So I didn't know. Well, were they? I mean, can you picture Adam and Eve? What were they like? Were they the end of the chain? You know, uh, you know, is that what you picture? No. He says, in the beginning, God created. Davies in his book says, Moses makes no attempt to provide philosophical or scientific evidence for God's existence. He presents God as sovereign and holy. He created the heavens and the earth. In summary, God created everything. You know what this does? This refutes atheism because it's God. It refutes pantheism because God is separate from his creation. It refutes polytheism because there's only one God. It refutes humanism because God is the center and the creator of everything, not man. And it refutes evolution because God created, not evolved. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're going to just touch on this tonight. And and next week, we're going to really get into some detail. And we're only going to cover the first five books, up first five verses next week. And I want you to see how this ties together but it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving hovering it literally has an idea of wings flapping over the surface of the water It says God created the Hebrew word for create there is the word bara it means to build to make to create But it is never used of a man. It is only used for God as the subject. And it almost every time means to create out of nothing. To make out of nothing. There's another Hebrew word which means to make. And it means like you have this pile of dough over here and so you're going to make something. That's one word. This word means there wasn't anything there and I created it. This says in the beginning God created him. There was nothing there, and there it was. The writer Hebrew says, What? How do we know the worlds came about? What did the writer Hebrew say? He spoke it into existence. We're going to see as we go through this passage, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God said, Let there be this, and there was this. Henry Morris says that the transcendent, omnipotent God called into existence the time, the space, the mass, and the universe. And this is one of the ways that God has made himself known. And that is through his creation in Romans chapter 1 verse 20. It talks about through the creation that, God, that, that man reveals his eternal power in Godhead so that we are without excuse that we understand that he exists. In the beginning, God created, spoke into existence the heavens and the earth. We're going to see more next time. Let me just give you a little summary. We've seen, of course, Genesis is the foundation book of the Bible that we see God's character and his creator and redeemer. We see man, the fall, the need for a savior. We see God's plan of redemption which will come through this book and and through his uh, savior. And then we also see man has a responsibility to make known the plan. Let me give you two or three things to think about. We'll open up for any questions or anything you might have. First one is this. In response to what we're going to see and what we even think about tonight, let's worship our God as creator and redeemer. Because that's who he is. He spoke us all. And, I mean, he created us in his own image. We'll see that in a, in a couple of weeks. We see in Genesis the power, the grace, the majesty, the mercy, and the justice of the living, uh, of the living God. And so even this evening, we should worship him. As we sang those songs earlier, we should say, I fall before the living God. What do you think of when you think of God? Remember the original question? James Edwards states that many do not want a God who makes demands or pries into our affairs. We want a God who can call on when we need Him, but otherwise leave us pretty much to ourselves. That's not the God of the Bible. That's the God some people would like, but that's not the God of the Bible. He is a personal creator God. May we worship Him. Picture yourself falling before Him as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Creator, the Redeemer, the one who just speaks it all into being. Second thing is, think think about ourselves. Who are we? We are created by God in the image of the living God with a mind, emotion, and will just incredible. And yet at the same time, we're fallen. Sometimes people go opposite extremes. But the truth is, on one side, we are created in the image of God, and there's nothing like us on this earth. We're not can't, No animal can compare with us. Nothing can with the crown of the creation. On the other side over here, we have fallen, and the heart is deceitful and wicked, and who can know it? And we come short of the glory of God, and there's none righteous. No, not one, and we're doing our own thing. That's who we are. We need a Savior. We need a Redeemer. And that's our third application, and we understand That God has a plan And that we want to make that plan known to people That God is going to take The seed of woman Mentioned in Genesis 3.15 And he has provided A redeemer for mankind Could you trace him The seed of woman To Abraham Through Isaac, through Jacob Through Judah, through David That's him We want to do that as well May we tell people about Jesus Christ. Are we faithful to do that? John Calvin said, How often do we look at people with the eyes of Christ knowing that they must hear the message of salvation? G. Campbell Morgan, I think it's a great statement. I want you to listen to it. G. Campbell Morgan said this, The church builds its buildings, sets up its standards, makes our arrangements, and then says to the world, If you want to, come to us and we'll help you. Jesus said, Go where they are. We think we build this building. they going to come here. We go there. We come here to worship and be trained. We go there to touch lies for Christ. That's the difference. May we take the truth, seeing about the character of God, and man, the fall, God's plan, man's responsibility, everything found in Genesis, may we know it, apply it, and be used by God to make a difference for him. Let's pray and we'll open up for questions. Heavenly Father, thank you for... Your word, thank you for the book of Genesis. Lord there's so much here and, and Lord in these in these weeks to come, we know that there is just so many powerful stories and events that you that you have given to us and so many so many things that you didn't even tell us. And Lord we ask you that as we look at the book of Genesis, the truths and principles are there. It will change our lives. We'll see you as the majestic, holy, perfect God, creator and redeemer. We see ourselves as made in your image, even fallen. And we see ourselves with the responsibility of making known your plan of salvation for a fallen world. We ask this in Christ's name.